to share with you today, I, I think it's so appropriate with what uh, the Holy Spirit impressed on Brother Billy's heart this morning. And uh, he mentioned a moment ago, Moses coming to the burning bush, and God spoke to him in that bush. And I want, I want you to notice what it says in Exodus chapter 3. I, I don't have this in the, on the screen up there, so this is just extra. This is free. This is a bonus. Exodus chapter 3 says, One day Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flocks far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement, for though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Look what verse 4 says. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. I, I, I appreciate so much that you shared that this morning, Brother Billy. God is speaking. He never stops speaking. Sometimes we don't hear him but here, here is the principle all throughout Scripture, is that the closer we come to take a closer look, the more we are able to hear the voice of God in our lives. So today, I, I, I prepared this message weeks ago, and I, I believe it is for today. For today. So I'm excited about what the Lord has to say through His Word, because this whole message is all about the words of God. The word of God. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to get there here towards the end. So we're, we're, we won't start there, but, but we're going to get there. And let me tell you, we're going to eat today. Is that okay? We're going to eat today. I want to give you a, a couple of facts about the Bible as we get started just to kind of to set our bearings here. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the word Bible, it, it comes from the Greek word ta biblia. And uh, that means 
the books or the book or the scrolls. So all Bible really means is just book. <laughs> but you'll notice we don't just call it the Bible. We call it the Holy Bible. This isn't just another book. This is a holy book. This is a book amongst hundreds and thousands and millions of other books. But this book is not like any of those. Because this book right here contains the words of God. Let me say that real quick. I don't know. Maybe someone missed that. This book contains the words of God. If you know the God of the Bible, then you would know that this is a very important book because it gives us insight into his heart. It gives us insight into his motives. Ooh, it helps us to hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, the, this book was written in three languages. In case you didn't know, it didn't start out in English. Uh, it was written uh, far before the English language was even um, created. Uh, the Old Testament, we know, is written in Hebrew. And uh, in fact, there are two books in the Old Testament, Daniel and Ezra, that were actually written in Aramaic, which is a, a form of Hebrew uh, for the Jews that, that were, had been in captivity in, in Syria. So it's in the Syrian dialect of the Hebrew language. Uh, but for the most part, the Old Testament is just all written in Hebrew originally, and the New Testament was written in Greek. There's 66 books compiling this one book. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It includes different genres of literature. We've got history. There's poetry and songs, prophetic. There are epistles, epistles which are letters, and the gospels. And in the original language, this in Hebrew and Greek languages, uh, the Bible contains about 611,000 words. So it's a big book. I don't know if you've ever picked it up and, and read through the whole thing, but it's a big book. It, it'll take you a little bit of time. Uh, but the shortest book in the Bible is, is 3 John. Yeah, it's a letter from John, and, and uh, it'll take you about one minute to read. Fun fact, that's the shortest book. Does anybody know the longest book in the Bible? Anybody want to shout it out? Everyone's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> Psalms? Okay, if we're counting chapters and verses, Psalms is the longest in that it has more chapters or more verses than any other book. But if we're counting words, it's not the lengthiest in, in the amount of time it would take you to read. There's more words, actually. The longest book in the Bible is actually Jeremiah. I don't know if you knew that or not. Fun fact. The second longest book is Genesis. And then Psalms would come in, number three, Right there, the longest book in the New Testament is the book of Luke, and it's actually only the 17th longest book in the Bible. So the Old Testament definitely has, has more words than, uh, than uh, the New Testament. It's a good book. It was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by over 40 different writers on three different continents and from all walks of life. There were shepherds. Farmers, tent makers, physicians, fishermen, priests, philosophers, and kings. But there was really only one author, God. These men wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
We has, it has one author. It was written over a time period of about 1,500 years. Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible. Revelation believed to be the newest book in the Bible. And uh, between Job and, and Revelation, there's 1,500 years worth of, uh, of time that passed by. Uh, if you're reading a, a normal, just your average everyday Bible, we know it starts in Genesis because that's the story of the beginning. Uh, but Genesis wasn't written until after Job, fun fact for you. Um, <laughs> the first translation of the Bible was made in English, made into English in the year 1382. And uh, the first book that was ever printed when Johannes Gutenberg invented the type mold for the printing press was the Bible in the year 1454, the first book that was ever printed. We had handwritten copies, but the first book that was ever printed was the Bible. It's been translated into over 2,000 languages. It's the best-selling book of all time, the most distributed book of all time. No other book has sold more copies than the Bible. Every year, the Bible sells over 100 million copies, 100 million copies. It's the most printed book of all times. And I find this interesting because all throughout the years, kings and dictators and empires have attempted to ban this book, to confiscate this book, to burn this book, but it has lived through the test of time. It has gone all throughout the world because this is not just an ordinary book. This is the Word of God. It contains no errors. It has no faults. It is 100% true, the living Word of God. Revelation was written uh, about 2,000 years ago, and we are still reading. That, that's the, again, that's the newest portion of Scripture that has been written, but we're still reading this book, and millions of people are building their lives upon this book. I don't see people doing that with Shakespeare's works. <laughs> or anybody else's, but this book is not just another book. Believe it or not, there are 193 recognized countries in existence in the world right now, and the Bible is banned in over 60 of these countries, making the Bible illegal in almost one-third of the world that we live in. And that we've started something here at Calvary Tabernacle where we are helping to get the Bible into the hands of every believer in every language all across the world by partnering with a, a couple of different organizations because we believe that this is a good book, that everyone should have access to this book. Let me, I, that was a bunch of facts about the Bible. Let me share one more with you. And this one's kind of funny. Uh, so if, if you're not into funny, then maybe you won't find this funny. But uh, in, in the year 1631, there were two printers in London named Robert Barker and Martin Lucas. And uh, they were tasked with the, the king to print 1,000 copies of the Bible. And so they, they took the, the old King James Version and they set out to create all the type molds for it and, and print 1,000 copies of the Bible. Uh, so, so they did. They printed 1,000 copies and they started being sold and distributed throughout London. 
Uh, there was only one problem. Uh, the Bible that they printed contained an unfortunate error. Um, in, the, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments. It's one of the foundational moments in Jewish history and now in our Christian history, the Ten Commandments. And, you know, you go through all the, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and then you get to the Seventh Commandment in this book that they printed, which is thou shalt not commit adultery. Only there was a typing error, and it left out the word not in there. So it read, thou shalt commit adultery. <laughs> so they found out about a year later, they found out about this error. And so they're going all through London trying to find these Bibles and, and gather these Bibles back and, and uh, recall this uh, version or this print of the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, but it turns out that they were able to get almost all of them back, but about 100. And uh, they believe that there's still 20 of these Bibles out there somewhere today. In fact, one popped up on the internet in 2008, uh, went up for auction and sold for almost $100,000. And this uh, copy of the Bible is called the Adulterer's Bible, if you come to believe it. Uh, but anyways... A pretty funny fact there, but I want to remind us this morning that the Bible is more than just words on a page. It's more than just another book. So it would do us a great service if we would learn to get in this book and to get into it for ourselves. That's what I want to challenge all of us with here today is to read this book for yourself. I know in the age of, of internet and, and technology, it's easy to just scroll on YouTube and, and find your favorite preacher and, and pull up the latest sermon and listen and, and allow yourself to be fed that way. And that, that's good. I'm not, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. But if you're not getting into this word and reading it with your own eyes for yourself and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word, then you don't know what you might be missing out on. Come on. So here's point number one in the message today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Bible is essential. The Bible is essential. This is what Jesus had to say about his own word in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus told him this, that Satan had come to tempt him in the wilderness and said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you spend your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. Listen, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. You want some good food? Here it is. Let me ask you, are you hungry? You want some good rich food? Not just some scraps left over from someone else. Are you hungry? This, this is some good food right here. He says, incline your ear to me. 
that your soul may live. If you want life, it's found right here in this book. The Bible is absolutely essential, vitally essential. I don't know how long the longest has been uh, that you've gone without food. Maybe you were fasting. Maybe you found yourself in a difficult financial situation, or, or maybe you were in an emergency situation. I don't know, but if you can think back for a moment to the time in your life where you felt the hungriest, this is what Jesus is, is wanting us to get at right here. This word is food, and if you go without this food, you will be hungry. It's not just beneficial to eat it. It's not just a suggestion to eat it, but this word is essential for the believer. If you want to live, spiritually speaking, you have to eat on this word. Oh, you guys ready? I don't know if you knew this. I'm sure you did. But God did not make us to be just physical. God created us individually, as a spirit. The Bible tells us that we are made in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible tells us that God is spirit. We are made in his image. We have bodies, flesh and blood bodies, but even more than that, even more realistic than that is our spirit. God created you as a spiritual being. Now, I know for a fact, for a fact, that everyone in here has nourished their body with physical food. I know that as a fact because you're here and you're breathing. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How often do you nurture yourself with spiritual food? I believe as Christians, I, I believe, I really do, that there are a lot of Christians that are running around spiritually malnourished because they're not feeding on the good, rich food of the Word of God. And can I tell you, this is not an option for us as believers. This is life or death for your spirit. And the good news is, is he has invited every one of us to take it in, to enjoy his word. So let me ask you this. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? If they would get it ready back there here in just a moment, we're going to play a video for you. And, and this video hits home close to me. In fact, I was talking with Brother Arnie earlier, and he was, he was, we, we were testing everything out earlier, and he was telling me that this video hit close home to him for a, a personal story for him too. But back in 2010, I, I traveled to Southeast Asia and, and I had the opportunity to spend the summer in Southeast Asia uh, ministering and, and going around sharing the gospel. We were able to take the Bible into Buddhist schools and, and teach thousands of Buddhist students in these, in these huge assemblies the Word of God. We were able to smuggle the Bible into a country that that it's illegal to do so. Uh, I'm a felon in at least one country. Um, and, and it hits home so close to me because in this video that we're about to show you, it shows some, some Chinese Christians getting a shipment of Bibles 
for the very first time. And I want you to take a moment, before they play it real quick, I want you just to take a moment to imagine that you have never personally held this book in your hands before. You've never personally had the opportunity to go to a store and purchase this book if you wanted it. You've never had anyone in your family that had one of these that you could borrow or, or use. But you've gone to a church, an underground church, where this word has been taught, and the pastor has a copy because the pastor teaches, and, and the pastor might share a few pages here and there amongst the families. But imagine for the very first time, there was an opportunity for you to get your hands on this book that we all know is life for the believer, spiritual food for a malnourished spirit. So I want to show you this video right here. Give me Jesus. Give me I don't know how many of you say, I'm a believer, but my spirit is malnourished. My spirit is on the verge of death. Can I encourage you today, just like Brother Billy mentioned this morning, it's time to go back to our first fruits. It's time to go back to our roots as believers in Christ. It's time to go back. It may seem basic to open the Bible and read, but this is where life is found for the believer. I pray that we would never leave this book sitting stale on our counters, on our cabinets, on our bedsides, and, and not pick it up. It's so rich. It's so good. And if you're hungry, the promise is that you will be satisfied when you open this book. Your spirit will be nurtured and fed and will be made to come alive. Come on. It's essential. Are you hungry? Here's point number two. You need it daily. Daily. Come on, daily. You need it daily. I encourage my students and the youth, you, you can't just come to church on a Wednesday night and expect to get fed by your youth pastor and then go the rest of your week spiritually starving yourself. You've got to read the word daily. It has got to be a priority because it's essential. It's essential. You need it daily. I love what Job said in Job chapter 23, verse 12. He says, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Let that, God, let that be my desire. Let that be my words. 
that even more than, than physical food, I could have your spiritual food. This body can die, but church, our spirits are going to live for eternity. It would do us some good to understand that we need to eat. It's time to eat. Come on. Come on. Mm. We need to eat. Have to have it. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 9, it says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Your version may say, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And I'm not saying that Jesus, I'm not saying he's not suggesting that we pray for daily provisions for our physical bodies. Excuse me, that's not what I'm trying to, to mention at all. Maybe that's where he's going. But I believe that, I don't even think in this verse he's talking about physical bread. Because right after this, he teaches his disciples proper fasting, which is doing without bread, so that you can engage yourself more fully in prayer and in the Word of God, so that you can hear more clearly the voice of God. I think in this, in this portion of Scripture, he's teaching his disciples how to pray, not for a physical food, but for a spiritual food. A spiritual food. Give us today the food I need. I can go a day without eating physical food, but we need to get it in our minds. I cannot go a day without eating from this word right here. I've got to get in his word. I can't even go a day. Wow. Have any of you ever, uh, does anybody in here like bread? Anybody in here say, oh, I'm just a, I'm a bread eater, right? You're the kind of person, you say, you know, carbs don't count whenever it's in bread form, right? I love bread, almost any type of bread. Love bread. There's a lot of people that don't like white bread. They say it's bad for you and stuff, but if you make a sandwich and it's got white bread, I'll eat it. If you make a sandwich and it's got wheat bread, I'll eat it. If you make a sandwich that's got rye bread, I'll eat it. Sourdough, doesn't matter. I love bread. I love bread. Uh, a lot of the restaurants that I like, uh, I, I will critique some of their food, you know, because I'm a food, you know, a food expert like everybody else in here. Uh, but, but I really judge restaurants based on their bread. And let me tell you, Texas Roadhouse has some good bread. Anybody in here say amen to that? They've got some good, you dip it in that, that cinnamon butter, ooh, mmm, got to have me some bread. And they come back to the table and like, do you need any more bread? And I'm like, yes, we do. We certainly do. Thank you for asking. Longhorn has good bread. It sure does. It sure does. And listen, say what you want about Olive Garden, but I'll eat those breadsticks. My goodness. Praise the Lord. Mmm. Raising canes, we're talking about fast food now. That little garlic bread toast, oh, my goodness, and it is toasted to perfection. I can do without their chicken, but my goodness, give me a box of that bread. 
It's some good stuff. You dip it in the sauce. Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm. Red Lobster, anybody? Cheddar Bay Biscuits? Woo-hoo-hoo. My goodness. I was really mad at Whataburger for a while because I used to go and get their sausage biscuit on the jalapeno cheddar biscuit, or the sausage, you know, on the jalapeno cheddar biscuit. They quit the jalapeno cheddar biscuits. I don't know why. They have lost a lot of money on me because they don't have those jalapeno cheddar biscuits. I love bread. I love bread. There's one thing wrong with bread besides the fact that it has an insane amount of carbs. But we don't count carbs whenever it comes to bread. What's the one bad thing about bread? If you leave it out, it gets stale. It gets hard. It's no longer enjoyable to eat. And you, I mean, you, this, is a, this is a real loaf of bread. But it's, there we go. It's a real loaf of bread. I'm not, it's, it's not play bread. It still smells pretty good. You can go to Walmart and get this loaf of bread for $1.47. I bought this two or three days ago. Left it on my kitchen counter. Last night it stayed in my Jeep just like this. Not covered, not wrapped. Because I wanted to show you this. I, I, now, whenever Jesus says that the word of God is our daily bread. Now, you, we have to understand that, that Jewish culture was known for their bread. It was the staple of every meal that they had, much as in, in, in a lot of the Asian countries that I went to in Southeast Asia, rice is, is kind of the staple of their diet. It's in almost every single meal. Well, in Jewish culture, I think I could, I think I could do well in Israel, y'all. In Jewish culture, bread is, is the foundation of nearly every single meal that they have. And so Jesus is saying this word has to be our daily bread. It's got to be the thing that we consume the most. But I, I think, and I, it doesn't say this uh, necessarily verbatim in the word, but we see back in Exodus whenever God gave them bread from heaven, they called it manna. What did God tell them to do? He said, each day go gather as much as you need for that day. And there were some that thought, well, that sounds great, uh, but I'm a big boy. I like to eat, so I'm going to gather more than I need. And the next day, they would wake up, and the stuff that they had gathered more than what they needed for that day, the stuff that was left over was rotten. It smelled. It was full of maggots. God is telling them this. He's giving them this principle. You need my word daily. You can't go back to yesterday's word. Now listen, you need to eat that bread and enjoy it for that day, but you can't just live that week pulling off of the same word that God had given you the day before. No, church, we need a fresh word every single day. This is what he's saying. He's saying, get in my word every single day. Now, I've got this, and it was not left in my Jeep overnight or on my kitchen counter overnight. It's, it was bought more recently than this loaf, and it's come in a package, and let me tell you, this right here, this is nice if I can get it out of here. 
it's nice and soft. Oh, and it's, oh, the smell is so much better, too. That, like, you can smell that, but this, mmm. Let me show you. Are you ready? Oh, it just pulls apart so much better. And I would tell you if it tasted good, but I don't know. This is what he's saying. You've got to get in the Word daily. You've got to eat of his Word daily. Here's the beautiful thing about it. He has a fresh Word for us every single day. Praise the Lord. Now my mouth is dry. Here's the reason why we need it daily. Did you know that the enemy's number one tactic against you is to get you to doubt God's word? Going all the way back to the very front of the book, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? Was that truly God's word that he spoke to you? Notice, Satan didn't come out being like, hey, uh, y'all, look, look at this. Look at this tree. Oh, look how beautiful its fruit is. He, he did that later, but notice how he started. Did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Listen, he has no new tricks either, church. If he wants to cripple you spiritually, he's going to start to get you to doubt this word. Did God really say that? Is that really important for you to follow? Is, is there a way that you could be more comfortable if you just took this little part out right here? Did God really say that? And how many of you know, if, let's be honest here. Listen, most of us are adults. Let's be honest. Have you ever thought that way before? Like, maybe I would be more comfortable if I could just cross this little part out, or if, or if I could just kind of ignore that and pretend like I didn't read that or see that there. Like, would, wouldn't I be more comfortable? Listen, that's the enemy's tactic. That's his trick to get you to start doubting the Word of God. Did God really say? This is why it's important for us to eat of this bread every single day. So what did Jesus say whenever he was tempted? It is written. Satan came to him and, and, and told him to do all of these things. And Jesus' rebuttal, Jesus' the way that he came against what Satan said, it is written. And that's why this book is so much better because no one's going back to Shakespeare and saying, Shakespeare wrote. No, 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 no. Jesus used this right here to overcome the enemy. And if you don't know this, if you don't have this in your heart, if you aren't feeding your spirit this every single day, then whenever the enemy comes and says, hey, this is some good-looking fruit, did God really say that? You're going to say, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. But if we eat it every single day, come on, church. Come on. This, this should be food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, midnight, snack. Praise the Lord. Amen. We need.
to be fed. We need to be fed. As I pull it up on my phone here. Um, I want you to notice this. We're actually going to put something up on the screen real, real quick. Uh, there's a study that's been done um, that says if you read the Bible four or more times a week, this will. This is the the average way that that the average expectancy of a person that reads their Bible four or more times a week. Seventy four percent less likely to gamble. Sixty eight percent less likely to have sex outside of marriage. I guess unless you're reading the adulterer's Bible. Um, 61% less likely to view pornography, 57% less likely to get drunk, 40% less likely to feel bitterness, 32% less likely to think destructively about themselves, 31% less likely to experience difficulty in forgiving others, 31% less likely to lash out in anger, 30% less likely to experience feelings of loneliness, come on, 28% less likely to engage in gossip. Sometimes I think maybe... Christians hadn't been in the church, haven't been reading their Bible as much when I see that one. Oh, man. 28% less likely to engage in gossip. 28% less likely to lie. 26% less likely to neglect their family. 20% less likely to overspend or mishandle money. That's an interesting one. 20% less likely to overeat or mishandle food. 14% less likely to experience fear or anxiety. And I want you to notice... These last statistics, 228% more likely to share their faith with others, 231% more likely to make disciples, 407% more likely to memorize scripture, and 416% more likely to give financially to a church. Let me ask you, what could Calvary Tabernacle look like? If every single one of us that calls ourselves part of the body of Christ here at Calvary Tabernacle, how much different could we look if we spent more time in the Word of God, less time on Facebook or TikTok or any of these things, but to get into the Word of God? They say if you spend one day a week in the Word of God, there's almost no change between that person and an unbeliever. They say if you spend two to three days a week engaging in the Word of God, there, there's a, a little bump, a little increase of, of, of some of these statistics that we had shown here. But for those that have, for some reason, whatever reason, those that have spent four or more days a week, all of a sudden these, these results just skyrocket. Because it's incredible to see what God can do to a person whose heart is yielded to his word. Have you been wondering why your business is struggling? Or why you and your spouse aren't getting along so well? Why your kids seem to just be aggravating you all the time? Are you wondering... Why it just seems that everything around you is falling apart, cars breaking down, and all that. I'm not saying if you read your Bible, your car is just miraculously going to. But the principle is here that whenever we put our, build our lives on the Word of God, whenever we spend time in His Word, we will be blessed. We will be blessed. We've got to eat of this Word every single day. Let me ask you a question. 
Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Here's why it's important to eat this word every single day. Because if you don't, you're going to start looking around for a different word. Have you, any of you ever gone into your kitchen and opened the fridge? Close it. You go to the pantry. Close it. Go back to the, am I the only one that's ever done that before? You're like, there's got to be something in this house to eat. And there's food everywhere, but you're just looking at it and you're like, I don't know. I don't really don't want to make any more dishes dirty. I really, you know, that, that takes too long. You're just looking around for something quick, but you don't want the stuff that's quick because it doesn't taste as good. And, and you're just looking around and you just go back and forth looking for something to eat. Do you notice how you never do that whenever you come home from Roadhouse? Why? Because they've got great rolls. Because you've already eaten. You're already satisfied. Listen, you won't go looking for other food if you've already been filled with the food that satisfies. We need to have it in our mind. If I wake up in the morning, I'm going to eat some good spiritual food. That way I won't have to look on TikTok. I won't have to look on YouTube. I won't have to read this book over here to try to fill myself with something. I can get it from the Word of God, and it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much richer. And whenever I, whenever I go about my day, I'm not going to be listening to this person that's over here and, and that person over there and, and this thing that's going on. Why? Because I've already satisfied myself with the truest words, with the best word. Amen. Here's my last point. We're being, going to be closing. Point number three. If the worship team would come. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. We're finally at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And in this portion of Scripture, Moses had just died. And the people of Israel were crossing into the promised land that God had given them. And Joshua is the successor for Moses. He's the one that will be leading the people of Israel. I've never led a country before, but I can imagine it's not an easy task to accomplish. I can imagine there's a lot of stress involved. I can imagine there's a lot of, lot of intricate details to, to put your attention towards. But I want you to notice what God told Joshua to do. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Now, what's the result of that? It says, only then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, here's a man that has just been tasked with leading an entire country of people through their, their most I wouldn't say their darkest days. Probably Moses took them through 
their darkest days in the wilderness, but they're going into this new land, and there's so many new things and so many tasks, and, and there's enemy armies all around them, and as they go in, they're going to have to fight. As they go in, they're going to have to take land, and what does God tell them to do? He doesn't say, Joshua, go build the world's biggest army. He doesn't say, Joshua, go negotiate foreign policy. He doesn't say, Joshua, try to create the most stable economy. He says, Joshua, study this book. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to obey everything in it. And here is the promise. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Not some things you do. Oh, church, we're on to something now. You're going to succeed in all you do. The other day I was in the yard with my son Jack, and baseball season's coming up, so we were out hitting some balls, and Adam hitting off of the tee, and, and he, he's sitting there hitting balls, and, and he's, he's swinging real hard, and and, you know, I'm, I'm telling him what to do with his feet and, you know, his stance and, and how to use his hips and, and, you know, what to do with his elbows and all this stuff. And, and he, he, he hits the ball every single time. He doesn't hardly miss. So we're a good contact hitter at least. He's hitting the ball, but I'm like, man, my goodness, he, he's hitting them, but they're just not going far. And he's, he's a small kid, but he's not the shrimpiest kid in the world. I'm like, why isn't this ball traveling further? So I got my phone out, and I took a video of him in slow-mo. Watched him hit a, a few balls off the tee, and then I sat down with him, and, and we were looking back over the video in slow motion, just seeing all of his mechanics, seeing all of his body movements, and, and how and when he's making contact with his ball to try to figure out what we need to change to hit that ball further. And I looked at his hands, and as he's gripping the bat, he's, he's got his hands over-gripping, so his elbows are both kind of pointed out. I said, oh, how did I not see that before? I said, Jack, we're going to do something new. But this time, instead of gripping the bat like this, I want you to grip it to where your knockers are all in a line. The, your knockers, your knocking knuckles, you know, those knuckles. Put them all in a line on your bat, right there. Keep those knockers all in one line. So instead of holding your bat like this, hold it like this. I said, okay. Put another ball on the tee. He took one whack, and it just, and I'm like, whoa, okay. We're on to something now. Put another one on there. It's like, Jack, keep your knockers in a line. I'm like, okay, all right, all right, okay. I think we even hit my in-laws' house one time, but uh, I don't think they were home, so they didn't notice. But he hit that ball so much harder, and I thought all it took was this. That's it. We didn't change anything else. Just that one little grip. And listen, that's what the Word of God will do in your life if you look into it carefully. And I would encourage you this week to, to look at it in slow-mo. Just take a moment. Take one portion of Scripture and really get into the nitty-gritty of it. 
and, and say, you know what, I'm not going to examine this book to get what I want out of it. I'm going to let this book examine me. I'm going to let this book tell me what I can do different. I'm not going to try to read into it what I want to with my American culture or my thoughts or my political beliefs or my way of life. I'm going to let this book read me. I'm going to let this book examine my heart. Church, if we would do that, we would start to see the Holy Spirit being able to say, okay, just, just change this up a little bit over here. And I love, I love that promise here. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So church, I want to encourage you to feed yourself. Like I said, you can get online and look up a video of a pastor preaching. You can come here on a Sunday or a Wednesday night and, and hear one of us preach the word of God. But if, if I'm honest with you, what you're eating today is just the leftovers of what I've been studying the last few weeks. But if you were to get in the word of God for yourself, and ask, and add, here's the four steps I would encourage you to do. Are you ready? Step number one, open the Bible. Whew, that was hard. Step number two, before you read, just say this prayer. Holy Spirit, would you teach me what's on your heart for today? That's step two. We're already halfway through. Step number three, read. I don't care where you read. Read in Leviticus if you want to. You might fall asleep. Or maybe the Lord's wanting to speak to you in your dreams. I don't know. But just get in the word of God. Just read. Read. And then here's step number four. Look for a way that day to walk out what you just read. Open your Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me what's on your heart today. Read the Word and then look for a way to live it and see what God does in your life. See what God does in your life. If you would stand to your feet with us. I'll tell you, can, can we do something real quick? If, if y'all would just kind of play for just a moment. If it's all right, Brother Billy, I want to encourage you to do something. Go ahead and pick up your Bible. Or if you've got it on your phone, if you open the Bible app on your phone, Take a second real quick while, while they're, they're playing something just in the background real quick. Just for one or two minutes. Open it anywhere you want. And I want you to just read just a, just a little portion. Read it one or two or three times. And just ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak to me through this right here today? I'm just going to take just about one or two minutes to do that real quick.
to, to carry a Bible and to open it and to read. And we thank you for the freedoms that you've given us, Lord, here. I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted, God, but that every single day we would apply ourselves to your word, to hear the truth from your heart, to be changed and affected by it. God, that we wouldn't try to interpret our own thoughts or processes into your word, but that we would allow your word to interpret our hearts, to show us where we've come up short, to correct us where we've been wrong, God, and to highlight the, the way to walk so that we can walk in your spirit and in your presence. And Lord, we believe that when we do this, we will be changed that the things around us would change, God. We pray that your words would not just be something we see with our eyes or, or hear with our ears, but God, we pray that your word would also sink down inside of our hearts. God, that it would cause us to be different, to look different, to act different, and to make change in our homes, in our families, and in, the, in our workplaces, and in the culture that we live in, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would not be we would not define or determine our lives based on worldly ideas or principles, God, but that we would all be so diligent to always go back to your word and ask what you think, what your heart is, what your word says. God, help us to consume this word, to, to eat it every single day, to, to allow it to become the best and most essential part of our lives. And God, I thank you that when we do this, as your word says, that we will be blessed, that we will benefit. God, you say in your word in Psalms that every day the Lord benefits us, every day. And Lord, we know that those benefits don't just come from living the same old, same old God, but those benefits come from living a life in your presence and in your word. I pray that you would speak to us this week and as we go out into our homes and into our places of work and into our schools, God, that we wouldn't be looking around for a lesser word, but that we would stand on your word because your word is truth. In Jesus' name. Jesus. So I have a question. How hungry are you? And I hope more than anything else today that, that if nothing else, that you've just been inspired to consume this book, to feed on this book. So this week, I want to challenge you Every single, this may be a tough challenge for some, but every single day, when you wake up, before you grab your phone, before you talk to the kids, before you look at your stocks, investments,
want to stay in worship, you're welcome to stay in worship. If you need to be dismissed, then we will let you know that you're dismissed at this time. We love you so much, church. Go out and eat.